Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. another episode if you don't like that with Grant Napier and we are going to talk a lot of football on today's podcast my guest is coming up in just a moment but I want to first tell you that this show is brought to you by New Works Plumbing of Sacramento locally owned for over 20 years they've got a fix for you and they do it all just go to newworksplumbing.com remember New Works Plumbing is available to you around the clock 20 Four seven for all of your plumbing needs and repairs. That's New Works Plumbing. New Works has a fix for you. N e w w r x Plumbing dot com. Love talking football with my guest on the show today. Uh, LandryFootball.com, I think, is as good as a football website as there is. I mean, it covers absolutely everything. Uh, you want information? Just check out LandryFootball.com. College, the NFL, the draft. I mean, the, it's amazing. You just got to check it out. It's incredible. It's always great to welcome Chris Landry to the podcast. Chris, how are you? Grant, I'm doing well. Always great to speak with you, my friend. Well, on Sunday, we found out who the final four teams were for the college football playoff. Let's start with that. Do you have any issues with the selection committee? I do not. I think they are the most deserving, and I do think they got it in the right order. I do think that Michigan's really playing well. Alabama's been inconsistent, but beating a team as cleanly and as clearly as they beat Georgia, I think deserving of the one spot, which, uh, and I do think that even though Cincinnati won their conference, their overall schedule and the body of work of a one loss Georgia team. And I think that people may overreact to the loss. I, I think that you can make the case that Georgia is a second or third best team in the country. And I think being third makes the most sense because I think Michigan deserves winning the big because they won the big 10 to be the the second spot two and three doesn't matter just what color jersey you're going to wear when the game and i think cincinnati's deserving to be in 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 this year's um landscape and they deserve to be four so we've got some interesting matchups a new team and everyone was uh anointing georgia and uh, you know, giving up alabama for dead and uh voila we've got uh we've got some excitement 
and maybe some drama as we head into New Year's Eve. Chris, going into that game at the SEC Championship, a lot of people were talking about the Alabama offensive line, and that would be a big key. Well, they were great. I also thought Brian Robinson was huge in that game. I thought he did a marvelous job picking up blitzes uh, and giving Young enough time. Your thoughts on that particular matchup? How much did that surprise you that the Alabama offensive line was able to withstand the uh, pressure of Georgia? Well, they haven't done that very well all year long. And I'm going to go back to the A&M game where Mike Alco, the coordinator for A&M, put together a very exotic blitz package that just suffocated Bama's offensive line. LSU copied it and had some success, and although Alabama won it, Auburn did it very effectively, and Alabama was able to, to, to win that game. Very surprising that Georgia, in, in almost in an arrogant way, felt like we don't need to blitz. We don't need to bring extra pressure. We're just good enough that we can beat you. And they couldn't get pressure on Bryce Young. And if you can't get pressure on that young fellow, you're going to be in trouble because I don't, you know, this secondary is not good enough to match up against the speed, particularly Jamison Williams of Alabama. And, and I thought that was the biggest issue that they had defensively. I also thought Bama had a great game plan. Uh, on both sides of the ball. But, you know, they played loose. They played aggressive. They played like an underdog. Mm-hmm. We're going to get the ball out quick. We're going we're gonna to force that Georgia defensive line to have to move a lot, stay on the field a lot. And they just really picked them apart. Uh, they did a tremendous job of scheming guys open with bunch sets, with motions. And, and so they really got Georgia's defense moving laterally and kind of neutralized their strength. And I thought Georgia – was, you know, non-existent in their adjustments to bring extra pressure, which I thought was the key. And on the other side of the ball, I didn't think Georgia had a very good offensive game plan. Uh, They didn't scheme guys open in the passing game. I mean, they had very few guys, Grant, that got open. So the throwing lanes were very narrow. And I just thought they were very, very vanilla. You know, the quarterback play was, you know, part of it, but it wasn't maybe as it's not as simple as, you know, uh, most people are grand. Change quarterback, that's it. it. It was more than that. I didn't think the offensive line played well for Georgia. So here's what's going to be interesting. You've got a blueprint of what didn't work and what did work in mm-hmm. Georgia. you got 25 days to fix it. You know, and, and, of course, you've got to fix it against Michigan. And then if you're able to win that, likely have to fix it against Alabama, assuming Alabama beats Cincinnati. And that's not a given, but, but a likelihood. You know, this is this is something that Georgia has to really adjust on both sides of the ball on how they're going to play it because the 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 game plan for Georgia surprised me, and therefore the result was surprising, but less surprising on how they played it and how they did not adjust because I I think for the most part this Georgia team has had their way with folks, but they've been able to dominate people physically with talent, and I think they thought they could do that against Alabama. And they were wrong. Big loss for Alabama not having John Mechie now coming up in the football playoff. You know, a lot of there are still those out there that don't feel that Cincinnati is deserving because of their schedule. Their one signature win at Notre Dame. So Cincinnati comes in obviously as a big underdog. They're not just playing for themselves, right? They're playing. For, in other words, there are going to be other schools that are going to be in the same position as Cincinnati coming down the road, and they can silence a lot of critics with a really good performance, can't they? Yeah, I, I do think there's a little bit of uh, the whole Hoosiers. We're playing for all the ones that never got here before type of aspect. Yeah, I think there's a lot of that. But, 
make no mistake for folks that really didn't watch Cincinnati a great deal. And I know there were games that they did not play their best. They are really talented. Mm. Their corners are as of as good a corner duel as there is in college football. All of college football. We're talking about in Ahmad Corner, maybe I mean he's six three, he's two hundred. Grant he's a and he's a starter in the NFL type player. And the other kid, what a name! His name is Kobe Bryant, spelled different, C O B Y Bryant. Um, he's a really good one. He's a senior. Um, you know, Gardner's a junior that's going to come out. They really can lock up, and they cause a lot of problems. They play a lot of man coverage. They've got a quarterback that will turn it over, but he's a dual-threat-capable quarterback. This is a really good team. They're really talented, and they can match up maybe a little better than most. No, they haven't played the same type of schedule. None of them do, but this is a better-looking team in terms of personnel matchups than, say, Central Florida of years past when, you know, where they went unbeaten. And so I think it's going to be interesting and, and then not an easy matchup for Alabama, as people might think. Alabama loses Mechie, which means JoJo Earl and Ja'Cory Brooks and um, uh, Trace Burrow Holden are going to have to step up and make plays. I think the tight ends are going to have to pick up. Look, here's the thing. If there's a positive, you got, again, 25 days to be able to work some of these young guys that are very talented, highly recruited, but not getting first-team reps, they're going to get a lot of reps. And, you know, if you look at like a Ja'Cory Brooks who made the big play against Auburn to win the game, it's going to be guys like that. Don't be surprised if one of those guys step up because what they're going to do and what a matchup this is going to be, I'm curious to see how much do they put Gardner up against Jamison Williams. Hmm. You close your eyes and you could just see them lining up in the right. NFL because those are NFL elite players. Right. Who's going to step up and be the other guy that's going to threaten and force the safeties to stay deep? Because, you know, that's going to be the key. So Holden, Brooks, the tight ends, going to be interesting to see how they, who steps up in absence of Mechie opposite Williams. I'll tell you the game, though, if I could only watch one college football game the rest of the year, and I know you're probably going to think I'm crazy, but I think I would watch the Michigan-Georgia game. I think this game, and I, you make a great point that now there's three and a half weeks before, you know, gives Kirby Smart, you know, a, a chance, as you pointed out, to correct what they did wrong. And Michigan, with the great year that they've had, I just think this could be a classic college football game. I think it could. I mean, this, you know, the – Neither of these offenses are very explosive. So it's got the makings of a defensive matchup that's a little bit old school. Yep. Both want to run the football. Uh, Michigan's offensive line has been outstanding. I mean, the defensive line, the edge rushers are as good as any in college ball. But but the overall defensive line has played well all year. Um, in Georgia, you know, we know about with Georgia how they've been lauded, at least going into the game. And, and they look, they're really, really talented. And I do think that there is something to prove, you know, from a Georgia standpoint. It ought to be a lot of fun. And I don't know that either team, either team's offense is capable of exploding away from the other. So it's going to be about protecting the football, making good decisions. It's going to be interesting to see. I do like Georgia a little bit more, but I agree with you. It should be a whole lot of fun. On social media over the weekend, you gave major props to Utah. Of course, they beat Oregon twice in a span of just a couple of weeks. And, of course, the Pac-12 championship. No one really, I shouldn't say no one, but they don't get a lot of attention. But what is it that you love about Utah? Well, it's really what I like about them all the time. But this year was special. They've had an unusual circumstance of 
a tragedy of a player dying after a year ago, a player dying and, and was a good friend of that. Play. I mean, just, I mean, this is a team that in September, the head coach said, look, well, he just stopped practice. They just, you know, they, they were dealing with grief. They went going to funerals and uh, they just didn't even practice for a couple of weeks. Their starting quarterback left them in the middle of the season. He transferred yet. They rallied and they do what they always do. They're the most physical team out West. They're one of the more physical teams in the country. It's maybe the best developmental program in the country, along with the Wisconsin and the Iowa's of the world. They, they, Utah consistently does a good job. Great physical defensive lines. Great, always good tacklers. Very well schemed on defense. Um, and, you know, look, they you know, settled their quarterback situation down. And, you know, this is one of – this would be the case of if you had a playoff and you had, let's say, 12 teams and they were like the 12th seed or something, you don't want to play this team. Right. I mean, this is this is tough, tough. You know, and they're good to win a game. And, look, I, he just consistently does a great job getting the most out of your team, which is what coaching is. Kyle's just phenomenal. He's been there. And what he's just, – just, just a tremendous job that he's done for such a long time. And, uh, yeah, it, they, they just physically beat up, uh, you know, Oregon and, and um, you know, for the second time in like two, three weeks. Speaking of the Pac-12, Lincoln Riley going to USC. Look into your crystal ball. How long before you think he puts USC back at that very upper echelon of college football? Very quick because the recruiting and you don't have, we just talked about Utah. They're, they're great, but they're doing it with far less talent and there's nobody in the South that's stepping up. USC's underachieved. UCLA hasn't been as good. Arizona State underachieved. Um, USC is the program in the Pac-12, as you know. I mean, mm-hmm. that, it does, and they're not the best right now. They have all the resources, all the history, all the tradition. Lincoln is recruited well in Southern California at Oklahoma. He, it fits his style. One of the problems I had with Lincoln, and I like him a lot as an offensive play caller. I think he'd be great in the NFL one day, like the the McClure's and the McVay type guys. He's that type of a bright offensive mind. However, he's never been a good overall head coach in terms of he focuses so much on the offense, recruiting, practice schedule, that it takes away from the ability to be really good on defense. And I don't think he would have fared very well in the physical line of scrimmage SEC. I think going out west, it'll allow him to do what he has done at at Oklahoma. Be wide open offensively, recruit good speed guys on defense at USC. I think they're they're not only can jump to the top of the Pac-12 quick, certainly the South, mm. but I think they're going to be kind of like he had Oklahoma. Maybe you know, depending on the matchup, may not be able to advance in the playoffs until he figures out the defensive part of it. But they'll be in the playoff hunt. I think relatively soon within a couple of years. I, I think it's a quick turnaround because what is really killed USC is why can't they go get players? I mean, Kayvon Thibodeau is like, you know, in the shadows of the Coliseum and Oregon just comes out and gets them. You know, they've got like, you know, 35 players on Oregon's team that's within a 40 mile radius of USC's campus. Hmm. How the hell does that happen? <laughs> I mean, that's just not, right. you know, and that's, that's not going to, that's not going to happen with Lincoln. He is going to recruit at an elite level and it's going to be fun. It's going to be sizzle. And you know, that's what they like there. 
Two years ago, LSU is the king of college football, and now here we are, and they've got a new coach. And so we look at Brian Kelly not exactly winning big games at Cincinnati and Notre Dame. And maybe I'm being unfair. I'm nitpicking a little bit. But the point I'm trying to make is that's not going to fly down Baton Rouge. Do you think Brian Kelly, that's where you live, do you think that's a good fit for the Tigers? Well, I think Brian's a really good coach. I think that the Notre Dame situation, this is my view on it, it's tough to recruit at Notre Dame. I don't think people realize, you know, when you got to recruit kids and every one of those kids have to take calculus as a freshman, right. that, that, that's not, all due respect to, you know, my brethren in the Southeastern Conference, it's not a whole lot of that, okay? Um, you got to, all the discipline has to run through the university system. You got to live at a certain housing, just a lot of things that make challenges recruiting wise. Um, one of the things, and I've known Brian for years, and I've known him since Green Valley days. Hmm. Um, what could you do if you were at a USC or at at some place that you can recruit? There's no limitations to you who can recruit. You can recruit anybody. And now, what can you do? So I thought that he got into playoffs with teams that weren't nearly as talented as the teams he was playing. And so, you know, people say, well, you didn't win a big game. Yeah, you know, you to me, you, you win in that schedule and you go unbeaten, you go with one loss, you get into the playoffs and you play a team that's quite a bit more talented. What do you expect? I mean, yeah, I guess you could pull the huge upset, but it's not real realistic. So I, I think he's done a really good job. Look, it is different. Um, and the expectations are great. The expectations are great at Notre Dame, but now – it's going to be like more in your face. Like at Notre Dame, they have great expectations, but you're not in a fishbowl. It's a national school. In Baton Rouge, he's going to find out that people are going to be in his business. And Norman Bryan's personality is like, you know, when he's getting 100 emails telling him who he needs to hire as offensive coordinator, that ain't, I mean, that, 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 that's not going to hit his desk, but he's going to realize, you know, when, when he goes in and, you know, I can say this because, you know, I grew up with him when the Cajuns start talking about why you're not recruiting this guy, why this guy is not. I mean, all of a sudden he's going to realize, man, I'm in a fishbowl. He was he was in a ocean at Notre Dame. Not everybody that was passionate about the program was right up in his grill. Now it's going to be everything is going to be about that. So it's going to be an interesting and look, I think it's how you, you go. 10-2, and 9-3, and three, it's going to be you got to take it to that next step. The, yep. the, the issue, though, with Ed Orgeron is that was built on a house of cards, and it, was, it, it wasn't sustainable. Mm. And he wasn't a great football guy. So when he lost staff and he couldn't replace him, there's a lot of things that went on behind the scenes and a lot of off-the-field problems that Ed was not only he was he let happen, but he was involved in letting happen. And those things just kind of ate away at the, you know, like a termite to a house, just the overall destruction of the foundation. I think Brian will be, he's going to be a, he's hard ass now. I mean, he's, he's, he's going to be tough to deal with and he's going to probably bring in some of the direction that they need, but how well, you know, this grant, it's like recruiting classes and draft classes, coaching hires. We'll revisit it three, four years and see how it's going. I love talking the quarterback position with you, and we spent a lot of time last year leading up to the draft because, you know, obviously with uh, Lawrence and with Lance and with Jones and we can go on and on. 
So let me back up a little bit. Did you think Mac Jones could be this good? Is he this good because he's really that good, or is he also in a perfect system? How do you evaluate what you've seen this year from him? Uh, he is in a perfect system, and he's that good from the neck up. He's every bit that good from a decision maker, seeing the game. He has a better understanding of football, of coverages, of making decisions, seeing the field. He has a better feel for that than a lot of guys that have been in the league five, six years. He's just one of those guys that grew up around it, a gym rat. And that's just, you know, he's beyond his years in that regard. If, if you put him, no disrespect, they won their first game last uh, yesterday. Uh, the Detroit Lions or someplace that's bad. No, everybody be saying that. Right. Like draft that guy. He's, because he, you got to give a clean pocket. He needs help with a running game and a good defense. But that's, you know, welcome to football. So he's, He's a guy that is a decision-maker. He's smart. Well, who appreciates smart players better than Bill Belichick? Mm-hmm. They, they, they run the football well. They play well on the offensive line. Um, and the defense is good. So, you know, people, people miss that a lot. It's like, well, how good the defense is going to affect the quarterback. I mean, uh, it, it, if you're down 13, 17 points, you've got no running game because you can't run your offense through the run game. So now you're facing an NFL defense that's pinning their ears back. And, you know, Mac is not a physically gifted guy. He's got to work from a clean pocket. And he's got to, you know, you know, most guys, you don't want to run play action. Well, with him, you can because he can turn his, turn his back to a defense and quickly see it. So I think he's every bit as good from the neck up as, you know, we all thought maybe even better. And he's just physically limited, and he's in a good situation. I, I know this, that pre-draft, Bill and his staff really spent a lot of time mm. with him. And they they thought he was really, really bright. And we discussed it. But, but in after all the mini camps, when I talked to Bill, I said, is he as good as you thought mentally? And he didn't, hey, he says, better. Mm. Wow. Um so he's, you know, he's just, he's one of those guys that sees it, gets it. He doesn't make the same mistake twice. And that's what Bill wants. I mean, that, a smart guy. I mean, there's, look, I, he's, I'm not going to compare anybody to Tom Brady, but in terms of skill sets, physical limitations, smart decision maker. Yeah, that's, that's what he's used to. It's what he's had. Uh, but there's make no mistake about it, that he's going to benefit from where he's at and he wouldn't be as successful somewhere else because of his physical limitations and folks as you're listening to this we're recording this before kickoff of the big AFC matchup at the Patriots and the Bills last night all right so let's just fast forward to April if you don't mind me um, because I've been reading this is not really that strong of a quarterback draft correct that is correct I think you're gonna have to be really careful and if you jump on one you're you might be making a huge mistake of of the past, which we see. So, yeah, I, I absolutely agree with that. Before we wrap this up, um, speaking of the quarterback position, you know, in watching Baltimore play on Sunday night and then watching the game last week against Cleveland, Lamar Jackson is so electrifying, so exciting. He just keeps you on the edge of the seat. But, boy, he just throws the ball up for grabs, makes mistakes. You know, the four interception against Cleveland. We saw, a, you know, a really bad throw against Sunday night against Pittsburgh. Is this just the what you have to live with with Lamar Jackson? Hey, he's an incredible athlete, but, yeah, he's going to throw the ball up for grabs great at reading defenses or do you see more when you look at his game well 
I, 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 they can't go very far if he's going to turn the football over. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of the things that you have to live with with him is the fact that he is so unique and so dynamic as a runner. You've got running quarterbacks, but I'm not sure that they're more gifted runners in football, period. Running backs, anybody than this guy. So what it forces you defensively to play against him is you got to play an extra run gap. I mean, you don't play the quarterback. If you're playing defense in the end, but you don't play the quarterback. You play the coverages where the ball's going to go. You got to play the quarterback. You got to play him like a runner. You got to play him like a receiver. You got to account for him. And so it's very, very difficult. And if you play man coverage, <laughs> I mean, you turn in your back and this guy's going to run. No, no, no. You know, so it just, it, it dictates how you got to play it because he's such a good runner and because you have to overplay him as a runner. It creates a little bit more spacing and coverage to which he can throw the football a little bit more effectively because there's more spacing. You don't have to be as precise. But, you know, you can – you're going to have to live with the fact that he's never going to be really precise as a passer. He's never going to be a guy that's going to be ideal going through second and third reads in the pocket. Most of it is because these guys that are really athletic – they don't are not patient in the pocket because they're so athletic. They're just like a they're like a racehorse. You just put them in the gate. They want to run. They don't want to gout. They just want to sprint. That's what he wants to do. So, but what you can't have is the turnovers because you can drive the football, run the football, have all sorts of success. You turn it over, it's a game killer. It's going to be difficult always if they're behind in game against playoff caliber defenses so if they got to come back and score quickly i'm not talking about one possession and scoring with two minutes they could do that but if they got to come back and score three times in four minutes it's it's you know the two minute Mm. offense is not going to be ideal and so it's going to be a little bit of a challenge so that's why they look like more of a really good regular season team with maybe some playoff limitations depending on the matchup now i will say this yeah, see, I mean, they throw anybody in the mix. Anybody can win that thing. Nobody, I mean, I think the Chiefs, you know, are, are maybe still the team to beat, but Tennessee's without Derrick Henry. Baltimore, we just talked about. Yep. Cincinnati, New England, that's really consistent. Buffalo, that's under a team. There is nobody that is, quote, unquote, the clear favorite. I mean, I think Kansas City probably is, but I think it's wide open in – Baltimore would have a chance, but I still would probably favor Kansas City if all else was being equal. Uh, great points, great stuff. LandryFootball.com, we talk about this every year. It makes a great holiday gift. What do you have going on with the website right now? Well, you know, it's a football website that's a little different. We take you inside the game from a coaching and scouting viewpoint. We break down the college game. We break down the pro game. We break down information. Coaching search news that's going on around college and will in the NFL, all the news and notes. Uh, the breakdowns of all of these college games and the bowl games and all the breakdowns of all the NFL games as as the games before they're getting played and then we take it inside the film room and grade it for you after. So it gives you uh, a good view of it. We like to say it's like having your own scouting and coaching department for less than a magazine subscription. Got all our podcasts and uh, video streaming shows on there as well. So check it out. Uh, we think you'll absolutely love it. Um, it's uh, it's a great holiday gift. So you can give uh, someone 
a gift uh, that they might love instead of that tie that they'll put in the closet. You can use this all year long. I love it. Chris, it's so great having you on. Happy holidays to you, and uh, we'll do it again in the near future. But, again, I can't thank you enough. Hey, thank you, Grant. appreciate you having me. Really enjoy talking football with Chris Landry. And, again, his website is awesome. Check it out, LandryFootball.com. Now time for our Crowd Ultra Q&A. Just go to CrowdUltra.com, and maybe, just maybe, I'll answer your question right here on my podcast. Alex asks, can you explain anything about what your lawyer said about KHTK changing the reason for firing you? Yeah, actually, I think the best way to get your information on this is to read uh, the story in the Sacramento Bee on Friday that uh, I believe Marcos Breton wrote, and the story is accurate, uh, so I'll just leave it at that. Uh, My attorney filed an amended complaint, and I don't know what else to say. (laughs) You know, Bonneville put out a press release, put out on email, social media, and spoke about it on their own station exactly why I was terminated. And now all of a sudden, the Kings are brought into it. I'll let the attorneys uh, work on that. Pat asked, do you think LeBron has changed or just stayed quiet for most of his career? I'm not really sure I understand your question. What do you mean remained or stayed quiet for most of his career? I don't understand your question. So rephrase that because I don't, I'm not really sure what you're, you're getting at. When you say, has he changed, I think he's changed where he's becoming, uh, he's been very hypocritical. Uh, He talks in double standards. He is not quiet at all. So I'm confused with your question. Tyler wants to know, would you ever trade for a coach in any sport? Yeah, I would trade for Nick Saban if I could, if I had a college football team or a university uh, that is for sure. Charlie wants to know, after Evander Kane, Aaron Rodgers, and Antonio Brown, how many pro athletes do you think are being dishonest about their vaccination status? Well, I wouldn't put Aaron Rodgers in the same category as Evander Kane and Antonio Brown. They cheated. Aaron Rodgers didn't cheat. Aaron Rodgers deceived the media. He didn't cheat, okay? Evander Kane and Antonio Brown cheated and tried to outwork the system. They, 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 they lied. They cheated. I can't put Aaron Rodgers in that same category. But I believe that there certainly are other cases in pro sports. I don't think there's any question uh, about that. Trevor wants to know, why do you think NCAA coaches are switching teams during the season now? One reason and one reason only. Huge money. Big time money. Gigantic dollars. It's crazy. Absolutely crazy. Kevin wants to know, are you surprised Damian Lillard would like to play with Ben Simmons. I'm not surprised that anything that Damian Lillard does. He's a tremendous player, and I know his attitude. He thinks he can make anyone that he plays with better and win a championship with that player. That's that's how confident he is. That's his attitude. Bryce asked, will Antonio Brown return to the Bucks? I would imagine so. Yes. Christian, is Roethlisberger a Hall of Famer? Yes, he is without a question a Hall of Famer, and he will get in, in my opinion, uh, after five years upon his retirement. No question. Josh wants to know, what's your take on Lillard saying he always had a really good relationship with Neil Olshey, the man that was just fired as president of the Blazers? I don't have a take on it at all. Why would I? I mean, I'm not trying to be rude, but so he had a really good relationship with Olshey. I don't 
have any comment on that. Uh, Jake wants to know, have you been to a Florida Panthers game since moving to Florida? You know what, Jake? I have not, but I'm going in, I believe, January when uh, one of my best friends, George McPhee, comes in with the Vegas Golden Knights. So I'll let you know when I go, and I'm looking forward to it. Nick wants to know if I watched the Grizzlies blow out the Thunder by 73. I did not, but I was with Eric Hasseltine on Sunday night, uh, one of my real close friends and the voice of the Memphis Grizzlies. (laughs) He talked about that and how unbelievable uh, that was. So Memphis playing well without Morant. Morant's the real deal. He's really good, but I've been pretty impressed with uh, what I've seen from Memphis. Hey, if you want to ask a question, all you need to do is go to crowdultra.com. Takes a minute to sign up, and maybe, just maybe, I'll answer your question right here on my podcast. It's time for Rant. Rant. And today's rant is brought to you by Roy's Umbrella. For all of your home loan needs, just go to roysumbrella.com. And if you own a home, if you are looking to buy a new home, Roy is offering you a one-hour free consultation right now. Roy sees big changes ahead on the housing market, so take advantage of this opportunity with a one-hour free consultation. I've known Roy for a number of years. He's incredible. He and his staff are awesome. I've used them in the past. I've referred them to a lot of friends. You will love working with Roy and his staff on your next home loan. Again, a one-hour free consultation. Take advantage of it by going to roysumbrella.com. Well, the Raiders on Sunday, after beating Dallas on Thanksgiving Day, they had all the momentum. They come home, and they only score 15 points on their home field against Washington. And I got asked this and continue to get asked about Derek Carr. And my opinion about Derek Carr is this. If I'm a Raiders fan, do I really feel he's the guy that can take me to the next level? I don't necessarily judge a quarterback by the plays that they make. I judge the quarterback by the plays that they don't make and they should make. And we saw that again on Sunday against Washington. Too many plays left on the field, you know, overthrowing Renfro, missing a wide open to Sean Jackson, cutting across the field in the first half where he probably would have gone the distance. I mean, there are too many of those in too many games for Derek Carr. And if you look at all 32 teams, certainly Carr is not a top 10 quarterback. I mean, I, there's just no way he's a top 10 quarterback. He's probably in the next tier between 10 and 15, and that's fine. He's good, but is he anything more than good? And can you really win with Derek Carr as your quarterback? I'm inclined to say no. I'm more inclined to say no rather than yes. If you're a Raiders fan, what do you think? Are you confident? with Derek Carr as your quarterback, and you could be looking at another lost season if the Raiders lose to Kansas City on the road this Sunday. Hey, it's enough. Derek Carr, too inconsistent for me. Plain and simple, just too inconsistent and misses too many big plays in the course of a game. And that is my rant for today. And that is my podcast for today. Want to let everyone know that coming up on Friday, Scott Pollard is going to be my guest. Always fun talking with Scott. That's coming up on Friday's edition. If you don't like that, with Grant Napier. Hello. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.